Hello, this is Jay Lewis, and welcome to the Old Radio Companion. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum invite you to enjoy life, life with Luigi. The four dealers of America present the Fred Allen Show. Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The makers of Chase and Sanford Coffee and Royal Puddings bring you the Charlie McCarthy Show. Well, hello, all my listeners, and welcome to another show of the Old Radio Companion, and I hope all of you had a great and meaningful, wonderful Christmas. Well, here we are already approaching the new year. So what kind of things do you all do for New Year's and New Year's Eve? Well, I know some people that do absolutely nothing, just another day, they go to bed, just sleep through it, you know, get into the new year, pretty mellow, you know. And then, you know, some people like to go out and party and go to parties and all that. And then some people, kind of like me, kind of like to try to find something kind of in the middle. But however you choose to bring in the new year, I hope that it's a good one for you all. And I do hope for a great, prosperous, and amazing year for us all. And, you know, and how was this last year for all of you? You know, was it good, bad, kind of place in the middle? Well, you know... Sometimes that just happens, you know, you always hope for the, you know, the next one to be really good. You always do that, you know, okay, here's for the new year. It's going to be a great one. And then, you know, maybe it doesn't quite, you know, fulfill our expectations. But regardless, though, you're still here. You're still here. You made it through another year. Well, you know, um, what kind of traditions do you all have for the New Year's? Because a lot of people do the whole New Year's, you know, resolution thing. Um, I don't. Um, I look at it more as making goals for the next year, you know, things that I really want to accomplish and kind of putting those things into place so that I can accomplish them. And I actually did look back on this last year and I did accomplish some things. It was it was a tough year for me. Um, you know, the show went off the air for, you know, a couple of months and I had a lot of transitions and different things in my life. But, you know, I made it and the show's back on. And so this next year, you know, not only do I have goals for the show, but I have goals for my own personal life. And so I kind of used to do the resolution thing, but now I do more like goals, you know. And I actually used to do kind of a time capsule thing where I would, you know, place things in a box. I would make goals for myself and then, you know, work on those goals. And then by the next year, I would open it up and kind of see what happened, you know, which is kind of fun to do, you know. But regardless of what you do, goals are always a good idea. And so we always have those hopes for, you know, the next year or so. So anyway, what I'd like to do, though, with us, you know, you're you and us, you know, as uh, host and listeners, as you know, we we know that the past, you know, two, three years have been kind of rough. And so let's pack together this year and let's just make this the best year we can. Okay, 2024 you're up, so don't disappoint us. You know, let's do the best we can. Well, since this is our New Year's show, we're going to celebrate the New Year with a double feature radio show today. Um, and I hope the show brings you some joy and hope and makes you laugh at the same time. 
and gives you some uh, great stuff for the new year. So before we get started um, in our main part of our show, um, I'd like to do some jokes. Okay, so I have to do some jokes going out into the new year. Okay, so here we go. Hope you enjoy these. So this man, he goes to the doctor and he says, Doc, help me. I'm addicted to Twitter. And the doctor replies back, Sorry, I, I don't really follow you. <laughs> okay, so if you don't know what Twitter is or use Twitter, then that joke would have gone way over your head, but it's okay. But anyway, anybody that knows about Twitter, well, maybe it still wasn't funny for you. I thought it was kind of funny. Okay, the next one. A college professor which te- was teaching a class, and all, and all the teacher, all of a sudden, the professor, he asks... If there are any idiots in the room, will you please just stand up? So after a long silence, one freshman rises to his feet. And then the professor looks at him and says, Well, now then, mister, why do you consider yourself an idiot? And the student replied back, Well, I hate to see you standing up there all by yourself. (laughs) That's funny. That reminds me of something I would have done in college. Um, always challenging professors. What a fun job professors have in college. Okay, my girlfriend and I are trying the whole long-distance relationship thing. I have to stay 100 feet away from her at all times, and also the police say I should stop referring to her as my girlfriend. (laughs) I actually like that one. That's That's very funny. It reminds me... I don't know if any of you watch or have watched the TV show um, Big Bang Theory. My mom used to love that show. It always surprised me because, you know, it's a more more contemporary show, more hip and stuff. But my mom absolutely loved that show. But anyway, there's a part in it where the character Sheldon, who is very, very smart, you know, he's a genius. um, He says that he has the biggest collection of famous autographs. And they're all like, wow, really? But they're all on restraining orders. Because <laughs> he would meet these famous people and stalk them. You know, like Leonard Nimoy from science fiction shows or William Shatner or, you know, uh, Stephen Hawking, things like that. And they all had got restraining orders. And so he actually has their their uh, uh, autographs on the restraining orders. So that's kind of what that reminded me of. Okay, let's get back to the jokes. So is So a man is walking through the woods when he sees a bear charging at him and he books it he just starts to run but he knows he can't outrun the bear for long so he just starts to pray he says dear lord i beseech i beseech thee please O oh lord please let this bear be a christian and so the bear catches up to him knocks him down on the ground and then all of a sudden the bear kind of rises up gets on his knees and says dear lord Thank you for the food I'm about to receive. <laughs> That's a good joke. I hope you're laughing at that one because that one's funny. Any laughs out there? Any? Any chuckles? Small snickers? Well, you know what? Even if I got a small snicker on those, then I did my job, you know. Okay, so now that I've wasted 15 minutes of your time, let's uh, get on with the main part of the show. So let me take a drink of coffee. If you know me as a host, I have to have my coffee with me. I always have my coffee when I record the show. I want to make sure that I am up to 
snuff on this whole thing so that I'm with you, okay, so I don't fall asleep. Okay, so this is my question. Where did the whole ball drop in New York City get started? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Like, why do we drop a ball? You know, no, yes, don't really care. Well, if you don't care, I'm going to tell you anyway, okay? Because that's what we're going to talk about, is we're going to talk about why this whole ball drop. And it's got some interesting historical beginnings, which we're going to see a little later in this this monologue of mine. But we're going to learn about all this great tradition of, you know, these big, great cities in America. And, you know, they gather thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And so the, the great big city in America, New York City, thousands and thousands of people come all over the place to come to Times Square to witness the New Year's Eve ball drop as everyone counts, you know, 10, 9, 8, 7, you know, they're all yelling, Happy New Year! And everything, you know, and the ball's dropping and the crowd goes wild. But how did it all start? Well, we're going to see that it kind of morphed into what it is today. So before the actual ball drop of any kind in New York City in Times Square, people started going there in 1904. So you had a lot of these different people, immigrants, different people, all kind of coming to, to Times Square. It kind of was this gathering place. And they would just celebrate New Year's, you know, going to the New Year, you know, and all that. But the official ball drop for New Year's didn't really show up until the year 1907. And it started with this, just a simple flagpole and this ball made of iron and wood and it was covered with lights and they would just like lower it down, you know? And it was like five feet in diameter, weighed like 700 pounds <laughs> and all that, you know? And actually an immigrant named Jacob Starr designed it. And he built it and it was just right up his alley because he was a metal worker anyway. So for the most of the uh, 20th century, a company that Starr founded lowered the ball, and that company was Artcraft Strauss. And the ball has been lowered since 1907 every new year, except for the years of 1942 and 1943, as you can guess, because a lot of things kind of got put on hold during wartime. But even though the ball didn't get lowered with the lights, people still in those years of wartime still came down to uh, Times Square and gathered to bring in the new year. So in 1920, a new ball came about. And you're going to see the difference because it was 700 pounds and now it was this 400 pound ball made entirely of iron. And then in 1955, the iron ball was replaced by a lighter aluminum ball. And you're going to be amazed because the, the aluminum ball was, you know, it's aluminum. So of course it's a lot lighter. It only weighed 150 pounds. So we went from like 400 pound ball and then we went to this 150 pound aluminum ball. And that was the same ball that was used in the 1980s. So all the way up during that time, they used the same ball. And of course, you know, had red lights and then they added the red lights with the green stem to resemble the Big Apple, which of course, you know, the symbol of I Love New York campaign. And that ball went unchanged until 1995. And the ball was actually upgraded once again and was added with rhinestones and strobe lights. And it actually became during that time, of course, computer automated. And that aluminum ball was finally replaced in 1998. So by the time the year 2000 came around, the big 2000 switch and all that, the ball was upgraded and redesigned into a crystal ball 
and they added new lighting and new materials. And by 2007, the bulbs were also upgraded into the new LED lighting. So the current ball that is used now weighs <laughs> six tons. So it, it weighs more because it's, there's more technology and all that. It's 12 feet in diameter, and it has 2,688 crystal triangles to make this brilliant light, and it's all powered by 32,256 LED lights. And today, that's what we see today when the ball drops for New York in New Year's in Times Square. So that's the ball you will see when you watch TV and watch the ball drop. So an interesting fact is the whole idea of this ball dropping thing. It really signals this passing of time. So it came way before Times Square in New York City. It dates all the way back actually in England, England's Royal Observatory at Greenwich in 1833. They would a ball would drop at one o'clock every afternoon, and this allowed the sea captains to be able to see this big ball drop, and they would be able to set their uh, chronometers by it to accurately navigate ships. Isn't that interesting? So because of all that, and today all these cities across the country they've adopted similar ball drops and things like that for the New Year's tradition. Well, anyway, I hope you found that interesting. I did. I thought it was kind of cool. And so now it's time for our sponsor from the past. You wipe up after breakfast. You wipe up after lunch. But after dinner, when you clean up, shine up too with Johnson's Jubilee, the cleaner that shines up as it cleans up. Jubilee gets things shining clean, leaves no dull liquid cleaner film. No dry cleanser grit. Jubilee puts down a protective wax shine that makes the next wipe up easier. Try Johnson's Jubilee, the cleaner that shines up as it cleans up. On today's scoop, we feature the ball drop from Times Square in New York City, saying goodbye to 1957 and welcoming in 1958. Eleven fifteen p.m. Just forty-five minutes from the bright new year of 1958. To make what's left of this year and all of next year bright for you, Clairol, the first name in hair color. In behalf of the hairdressers of America, presents... Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians, direct from the world-famous grill room of the Roosevelt Hotel at 45th Street and Madison Avenue here in New York City. Up now to the ball of lights. It doesn't look as if it started to move yet. The New York Times electrician consults his watch, you know, and in 20 seconds before midnight, he pushes the button, and there it comes, slowly descending. Listen to the roar now. Yes, this is it, the magic moment of 1958. A new year is born. The globe of light seemed to go out just before it touched the roof. 
And those letters, one nine five eight, those figures came on. On today's show, we feature a double feature radio show with two great shows to fit our celebration of New Year's. Our first show is from the Fred Allen radio show titled New Year's Eve Plans. It originally aired December 14, 1947. The second show is from the Phil Harris and Alice Faye radio show and it's titled New Year's Resolution. It originally aired December 29, 1946. Let's ring in the New Year's with these two great shows. Enjoy the shows. Minerva Pius, Peter Donald, Parker Fenley, the DeMarcos, Al Goodman, his orchestra, and Kenny Delmar. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we salute the poultry show. We haven't any chickens, but we do have a man with an old joke, and he's going to pull it. And here he is, Fred Allen. Thank you and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. In Portland, that poultry show introduction, a man with an old joke and he's going to pull it. You know, I thought that was extremely clever in a rather a rancid sort of a way. <laughs> Mama and I were up all night writing poultry introductions. Poultry introductions, really? We had another one. Here is a man. After he tells his first joke, he's a dead duck. You were up all night writing these two feathered faux pas? Yes. You know what faux pas means? It's southern for forefathers. Southern for forefathers? Faux pas. Faux pas. <laughs> Some dialect you have and no finish. But uh, forget the whole thing. <laughs> forget the whole thing. That poultry gag sounds like a joke you'd find on the floor of the studio after a Milton Berle rehearsal. <laughs> And if he wouldn't pick it up to tell it, Milton will stoop to anything that I wouldn't tell me. Did you see the poultry show at Madison Square Garden? It was wonderful. They had hens there so small, they can't lay eggs. Really? What do they lay? Aspirin tablets with yolks in them. <laughs> You've had a new writer working on your part, haven't you? I sense it. Fine. Well, you know, it's confusing over there at Madison Square Garden. One night they have fights, the next night hockey, then basketball and the poultry show. There was a mix-up last week. One night, right in the middle of the poultry show, the CCNY basketball team ran out and made three baskets in a hen's nest. Without disturbing the hen, too, which is rather remarkable. They were in there on the wrong night, you see. Well, before this gets too hilarious, Portland... What, uh... What? What? I must give my writers the loyalty test again. What? Uh, what's in the? What's in the news? What's in the news this week? Well, science is seeking the clue to baldness. Baldness? Well, that would be Jack Benny's problem, not mine. Is Jack getting bald? Getting bald. Benny's head looks as though his neck is blowing bubble gum. <laughs> What? What did you say? Gosh. 
Are you happy with that line? Uh, You know, Benny, Benny is so bald, he looks as though somebody pulled his face back over the top of his head. <laughs> and speaking of head reminds me, Portland, I think I shall head for Alan's Alley. What is your question tonight? Well, recently down in Washington, the director of science service listed the ten most important advances in science made during 1947. And so our question this evening is, what in your estimation is the most important advance science has made during recent years? Shall we go? Well, I couldn't think of a joke this week. We'll just have to go, I guess. <laughs> well, here we are back in Allen's Alley, Portland. Say, I guess the senator's in all right. His pet possum, Stanley, just looked out the parlor window there. Well, let's knock. Who, I say, who's whamming my portal? Oh, it's you, son. Yes, Senator Carter. I just got back from Florida, son. Yeah. I must have stayed out in that sun too long. You got sunburn? Son, I got a blister running down my back. It's longer than a pontoon. It's really? Yeah, long... I kept peeling, son. I had enough skin to make a little boy. You... <laughs> How are... <laughs> How are things in Florida, Senator? Now, my hotel was so crowded they had to give me a Florida suite. What is a Florida suite? That's a closet with two grapefruit in it. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I was out fishing every day. One fish I caught, tears come to my eyes. Tears? That fish reminded me how I got elected. A fish? It was a fluke, son. <laughs> fish not too well known in these parts. <laughs> well, what were you? Uh, what were you doing in Florida? What were you doing in Florida, Senator? I was down there resting with little old Harry. The pre did the president enjoy his stay down there in Florida? Yeah, Harry was busy every minute, relaxing. Relaxing. <laughs> One day, Harry went over to Key West and played the piano. At Key West? It was the first time anybody knowed what key he was playing in. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell me, Senator... What do you think is the most important advance science has made during recent years? Well, science's outstanding achievement was making that big magnet up there at Columbia University. Well, why is the magnet so important, Senator? Owning a magnet that size, son. Yes? This country can point it at Russia. And with the biggest magnet in the world? We can raise that iron curtain. So long, so son. So long, Elliot. The senator better be careful with that magnet. He might pull Spike Jones off the air. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. Let's uh, let's call on Mr. Moody. Howdy, Bob. <laughs> Tell me, Mr. Moody, what uh, what do you think is the most important advance science has made in recent years? Uh, science better stop advancing, for it ruins the human race. Well, how do you mean? Why, people was better off when they had less gadgets and done more sweating. Well, have you had any experience with scientific advancement on your farm? I'm about ready to blow my fritter. You're uh, <laughs> about to blow your fritter, eh? Well, what the... What, <laughs> what happened? Why, a fellow come around and sold me a self-operating shortwave plow. Uh-huh. First time I tried the plow, first time something went wrong. Yeah? All I heard was zip. Plow started off. I ain't seen it since. You don't know what became of the plow? No. All I know is that from here clear to Syracuse, there's a rut that belongs to me. <laughs> well, you can't. 
You can't hold that against science. Did I ever tell you about that rain-making episode? No, I don't think so. What was that? Last fall, we had a drought. Uh-huh. Ground was so dry that worms was crying on themselves to get wet enough to turn over. <laughs> Things were dry, hey? Uh, I'm in the front yard, spitting in all directions to lay the dust. Yeah? Fuller comes up and he says he's a rainmaker. Oh, you, you hired the rainmaker? Yeah. He went up in a balloon. Dropped 200 pounds of dry ice into a cloud. Yeah? Well, the dry ice fell plumb through the cloud, landed on top of my barn, and left a hole as big as a crater. And no rain fell? Yeah. Just as the fella came down in the balloon, it started to hail a mite. Hail, hey? I was fuming. What did you do? I pointed to that skimpy downfall. Yes? And I says, get the hail out of here. So long, <laughs> Let's try this next door. Hi there, Chuppy. Oh, Mrs. Nussbaum. Say, you look busy. Tonight I couldn't talk to you too long. No? I'm working on my Toffinetti contest. Toffinetti contest? What is that? If you are entering the contest, they are sending you the clues. Oh, really? What What are the clues? Second for corned beef, first for clams, thirteenth for chicken fat, seven for pan. Yes. Bring me a poached egg, chopped onions, and heat. Fry me and try me. I'm ready to eat. Those are the clues, eh? You are in the contest? If you are guessing the clues, it is me. Second for corned beef, bring me a poached egg. I give up. Who are you? Miss Hash. Miss <laughs> Hash. I will send you the locomotive in the morning. But tell me, Mrs. Mustard, What important strides do you think science has made? To me, outstanding is electricity. Uh, electricity? Today in my house, everything I'm doing by electricity. Uh-huh. Making coffee, I'm plugging in the percolator. Naturally. Cooking dinner, I'm snapping on the stove. Yes. Washing, I'm turning on the bender. Uh-huh. Sweeping, I'm attaching the vacuum cleaner. Yes. All day long, I'm plugging in... Snapping, turning on electricity. Well, handling all this electricity, don't you ever get a shock? Only once a month. Once a month you get a shock? When I'm getting the electric bill, thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, here, we here we are at the end of the alley. Let's pay our respects to Mr. Cassidy. champion of the world, says he. 
sure if the television set was working properly, his opponent would be on the floor. Why, see, the television set is in good order, says I. Tis Joe Lewis that's not working properly. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, with that, Hamborn Hennessy hit me on top of the head. Yeah. It drove me head so far down me spine, I had to open me vest to look out at him. <laughs> And I started running me arm in and out of Hambone's mouth till he thought he was swallowing a plunger. Hey, this was some fracas. Oh, the fighting got you good. Joe Lewis and Josie Joe stopped their fight on the television and started watching Hambone and me. It must have been exciting. Well, now, just as I was taking off Hambone's nose to put in me pocket to keep his ears company, the doors busted open. It's the constabulary. The constabulary. Well, Hamborn and me was hustled into a limousine with a gong on the front of it. Well, (laughs) hey, Jack, you can't blame television. Yeah. For doing what Joe Lewis got $70,000 for doing on the television. You? I got 30 days. Good night, you. Five DeMarco sisters, ably accompanied by the versatile Al Goodman and his orchestra, the DeMarco sing, Papa, Won't You Dance With Me, Girl? Castellanos is the fullback for Notre Dame. And now... Now, ladies... Uh, yes, Portland? This telegram just came. It's open. The telegram's open? The messenger boy said he had chapped lips. You want to go down to the sensor and clear your throat while... We... <laughs> the there. messenger boy said he had chapped lips and he couldn't lick the envelope. Oh, that Western Union. You'd think if one messenger boy had chapped lips, they'd send another boy along who could drool. <laughs> What, uh, what does the telegram say? Business while it's open. This will confirm... This will... This would have been a good place for you to cough in here. This will confirm... 
This, uh, the telegram says this will confirm your New Year's Eve reservations at the Carnival. Signed, the management. The Carnival? Oh, the Carnival, that big nightclub on 8th Avenue. You know, I am president of the Jack Eigen Fan Club. We're having our New Year's party there. I thought your Jack Eigen fan club always set New Year's Eve at Hamburger Heaven. No, no. Last year, when Frank Gould was president, we went over to a little club on 52nd Street, the Open Manhole. The Open... <laughs> the Open Manhole? They have no cover there. <laughs> it's uh, just a small place. The ceiling is so low, when they serve frog's legs, the legs are kneeling down. <laughs> to get reservations at the carnival. Well, it's a long story, Portland. Last Thursday afternoon, I was walking down 8th Avenue. I was just passing 51st Street when I heard a voice say, Well, Fred Allen, Georgie Gesso. Georgie, what are you doing here in New York City? What's your doing? What's What am I? You must be living in a tree. You know what I'm doing here. Look at that sign up there on the marquee. The marquee, the carnival, proudly presents Georgie Jessel in the greatest show on earth. Well, confidentially, Fred, it isn't the greatest show on earth. But that sign. Well, my cousin Milford is a sign painter, you know. <laughs> I told him the show was uh, so-so. Suddenly a sign comes out, the greatest show on earth. What am I going to do? Get a lawyer? Milford is also a lawyer. I'd have to give him the case. You see what I mean? <laughs> well, tell me... <laughs> tell me, Georgie, confidentially, how are you doing in the show? Oh, Fred, I'm a big hit. A very big hit. A big hit. Yeah. Huh? You're getting ready to call me a liar, huh? I should see it. <laughs> well, it so happens that I have the newspaper clippings right here with me, right in my pocket. Say, they're, uh, they're a little dirty looking, aren't they? Yeah, well, I've been carrying them around two weeks, you oh, know. I'll have them dry cleaned a little later. But listen, <laughs> listen to what the newspapers say. Here's the whole book and Herald. Jessel is a cyclone of lead. Huh? Here's the Jeweler's Gazette. Jessel is a diamond in the rough. Yeah. Look at here. This the Sandhog Journal, what it says. Look at here. Jessel is dynamite. Here's the New York Times. There, who reads the Times? <laughs> Georgie, Georgie, I just saw your latest picture, Nightmare Alley. I thought you were still out in Hollywood producing for 20th Century Fox. I am. I'm still working for Mrs. Zanuck, Fred, and I have to be back there on January the 5th. Well, can't Mr. Zanuck do without you? There is a rumor that he can, but uh, I don't want him to find out. <laughs> well, Georgie, I just happen to think my club is uh, giving a party New Year's Eve. Well, 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 Fred, give your party at the carnival. A great show. You'll have the time of your life on only $2 a plate. $2 a plate? Well, if you want food on the plate, it's a little more. <laughs> So, Fred, you have the $20 avocado dinner. Ah, with that comes the best of everything. Gold finger bowls and mahogany toothpicks. It's delicious, really. Well, what do, what do I get for $20? Well, now, first before dinner, you get your own personal horn to blow at midnight. I have a sample horn here to show you. Oh, that's a beauty, isn't it? I should say it is. <laughs> the mouthpiece is genuine plastic, you know. Uh -huh. It comes only with the $20 dinner. Now, get the tone on this horn. <clears throat> Well, it does. It, it does have a certain gusto, Georgie. But for twenty dollars, if I'm blowing please, twenty, please, please, unless you're insured, don't take the two dollar dinner at the carnival. You mean there's no horn? Nah. Oh, for two dollars, you get this. <clears throat> <clears throat> Georgie, 
Georgie, that sounds like an unborn opinion. <laughs> and we should know. Well, anyway, look, with the $20 dinner, with the $20, you should see the paper hat that you get. It's yeah. a red cellophane Hamburg with a lining and the initials F.A. in it. Your initials. Well, with the $2 dinner, what sort of a paper hat do you get? Nah, an old copy of the Hobo News. Nothing at all. Hold it up, it looks like a wet beret. You wouldn't want it. Well, look, Georgie. Fred, the confetti that you get with the $20 dinner... What uh, What kind of confetti? Chopped up $5 bills. <laughs> with the $2 dinner, you get confetti? What confetti? The waiter comes, pulls the paper napkin from under your chin, tears it up, throws it right in your face. Well, Georgie, $20 after all for ah, dinner. Ah, but listen to the food that you get. Avocado and aspect. Anchovies and aspect. Guinea hen and aspect. Aspect and aspect. <laughs> For dessert, ladyfinger. But, Georgie, who could eat that mess? I'll get indigestion. Not at the carnival, Fred. Well, why not? Those ladyfingers that you get for dessert, yes, they are holding an Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> but I, I'm a light eater, Georgie. What now? What is the $2 dinner? $2 dinner, you get a sprig of parsley on a plain glass plate. A glass plate? Yeah, you're not only starved, but the waiter looks through the glass plate, sees you leaving a nickel tip, gets mad, takes away the knife and fork, hits you on the head. Nothing. <laughs> what, uh, what about the drink? Oh, the drink. Oh, with a $20 dinner, you get the finest French champagne. It has the Hildegard seal of approval. <laughs> and on the $2 dinner? The waiter takes off your shoes, puts grapes under your feet, you step on the grapes, it tastes like an oleum. You wouldn't like it at all. Well, Georgie, in self-defense, I think I'll take the $20 dinner. Fred, you are doing the right thing, believe me. I'm all set for New Year's Eve. Ah, Fred, this will be a night that you will long remember. And don't forget, take some more balls out of that tuxedo. Tuxedo? George, you mean it's formal? Fred, you're going to the carnival, not Sam's Bowery Follies, you know. But I have no tuxedo. Fred, I should have your luck. Well, what luck? I can get you a tuxedo in five minutes. Really? My cousin Milford got an interest in the place. It's right around the corner. Come with me, Fred. All right, Georgie, let's go. Well, here we are, Fred. Sam's suit salon. Georgie, this is a pineapple juice stand. Yeah, but in the back is a tailor shop, you see? <laughs> Open all night. Overcoats made while you wait. Oh, I... Sam? Sam? <laughs> Well, let's go up. in. Let's go in first. Oh, you got to go in. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> no curb service. You got to go inside. All right. Hey, Sam. That's Sam over there, you see, with the pineapple in one hand and the hot iron in the other. Oh, I see. Sam. Hello, Mr. Jessel. I got bad news for you. I've stopped cashing checks. <laughs> <laughs> This is a friend of mine, Sam, Fred Allen, and he wants a tuxedo. A tuxedo? You came to the right place. Oh, Max! Yes, Sam! It's a customer! Orange or pineapple? <laughs> the pineapple's good today. No, just a tuxedo, thanks. Now, look, this is for New Year's Eve, Sam. I want you to give Mr. Allen something extra special. Well, you, Mr. Jessel, will give him the works. Built-in gravy stains on the vest. <laughs> Here's a ruler. Help him measure it. I certainly will. Okay. Sleeve 33. Sleeve 42. <laughs> Waist 36. Waist 57. <laughs> Length 32. Length 71. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Georgie. What is this? Every time you yell out a number, Sam puts down a different one. Don't worry, Fred. Sam can't write. There's nothing to worry about. <laughs> 
Well, never mind the measuring. How about something ready-made? Okay, Sam, Mr. Allen wants something ready-made. Ready Here, made. Mr. Allen, it's our last tuxedo in stock. Oh, but you are in love. Well, well, feel that material. Georgie, this is corduroy. Corduroy? <laughs> of course. The doorman at the El Morocco has one just like that. A corduroy tuxedo? It is ideal for New Year's Eve. Ideal? Yes. When the band stops playing, you can keep on dancing to the sound your corduroy pants are making, you see? <laughs> Here, Mr. Allen, tie your time. All right, thanks. Oh, boy, that suit was just made for you. Look how it hangs. Hangs. It piles up on the floor. <laughs> look at this. Look at this right... <laughs> Look at this right sleeve. That's too long. It's not only too long, it's got a cuff on it. Well, that's a pants leg. <laughs> the sleeve is a pants leg? Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, Sam. What's with the sleeve? What is it? Hey, it's Max. Lately, his eyes are bad. Yesterday, he sold himself to a customer. Oh. <laughs> I can't go to the carnival with one arm coming out of a pants leg. Put a shoe on your hand. Who'll notice it? <laughs> Look, Georgie... When I buy a suit, I would like to have two sleeves with it. You've got two sleeves. Where is the other one? Look at your left leg. Jeepers, <laughs> from the knee down, I'm bare-legged. Look, Fred, a black puttee will cover it. Patent leather. It'll look very smart. A very black puttee. Georgie, I'm going to the carnival, not joining one. Now, look. <laughs> Fred, for the money, you can't beat it. Yeah, that's right. Try any reliable pushcart and mention my name. <laughs> He's right. Now, think it over. Think it over. Where else can you get a tuxedo with a milk, mink belt in the back? A mink belt? Say, mink what is, belt. What is that big lump hanging down inside the back of the pants? Oh, this I didn't say. Oh, this is a pineapple. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Sam gives away a pineapple and a Hawaiian guitar with every tuxedo. And look. Look at those lapels. Three lapels? One folds inside. It looks like a vest. <laughs> Fred, I'm telling you, you can't match it anywhere. That's five years ahead of the new look. Ah, huh? now you're all set. <laughs> you are all set, Fred. There's only one place for you on New Year's Eve. I've got my reservation. What reservations? With that suit, you're not sitting in the audience. <laughs> you're going to be in the show with me. In the show? Yeah. Get the picture, Fred. The lights go dim. Suddenly, there is soft music. You step up on the stage beside me in that tuxedo. Yes. The violin section comes behind us, and we sing. We sing together? The first chorus. The second chorus, I'll recite, and you will hum softly. I hum. I wonder how it will sound. Like this. When you're a long, long way from home, it makes you feel like you're alone. It's hard to find a pal that's true. That you can tell your troubles to And when you send a letter home Your mother's voice rings in your ear And then you cross the T's with kisses What a strange world this is Then you dot the I's with tears you miss the love you've always known when you're a long, long way from home. Why did I wonder? Why did I stray? That is the question I ask every day. Milestones are milestones when you start to roam. But wait till you're far from home. Fred. Fred, take it easy with the humming. There's a caraway seed in my tooth. Oh. <laughs> you have 
have Sophie Tucker in it. In the eyes of the world, you may seem very small. In the eyes of your mother, you're as thick as them all. You go out in the world with one thought in your mind. Where can I find a pal? And you've left one behind. Look, Fred, will you stop humming? Play an instrument. I'm singing a cappella, Georgie. This is a cappella? Company presents the Fitch Bandwagon, starring Alice Faye. You'll never know just how much I love you. You'll never know just how much I care. And Bill Harris. Won't you come with me to Alabama? Let's go see my dear old mammy. She's frying eggs and brawling hammy. That's sugar-cured hammy. And that's what I like about the song. Although New Year's Day isn't until next Wednesday, Phil Harris is already giving serious thought to the coming year. About 11 o'clock yesterday morning, we find him in the kitchen, carrying out one of his New Year's resolutions. One. <laughs> Two. Three. Phil, what are you doing out here? Emptying all these bourbon bottles. I've drained every one in the case. Oh, Phil, you did? Yes, I did. Now hand me the champagne, kid. This is going to be the best bowl of punch I ever made. (laughs) Phil Harris, that's just like you. What do you mean? Some people might drop in. Now, you know, the only reason I keep the stuff around is for my friends. That's just it. You always end up being your own best friend. (laughs) Well, don't worry about it, kid. Hey, look what I got for us yesterday. Two tickets for the Rose Bowl game. Rose Bowl tickets? Where on earth did you get them? I got buddies down at the city hall. (laughs) Well, are they good seats? The best in the stadium. That's what you said last year, and look what happened. What do you mean? We sat right on the 50-yard line. I know, but every few minutes I had to run out on the field with a water bucket. (laughs) On you it looks good, baby. And anyway, you did not, and leave the jokes to me. I wish I'd have left that one to you. You get more like Mary Livingston every day. <laughs> Getting two lines, and you never hear the last of it. Yankety, yankety, yank. They want everything funny from then on out. Take it easy. Let me be funny. All right. Besides, we can't go to the game. You know, Mother always has open house on New Year's Day. Yeah, open house, open house, some open house. I remember last year with them money-grabbing brothers of yours hanging around. They're not money-grabbing. Maybe not, but it's the first time I was ever rolled in a private home. Phil, why must you say things like that about my family? Oh, I don't know. It's just because I'm so cute and clever and all that. (laughs) I just can't help it. I don't know what... Hey, there's a phone. Grab it. 
Hello? Yes? To whom do you wish to speak? Oh, to whom do you wish to speak? Oh, brother. <laughs> what? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm afraid we have a faulty connection. Oh, faulty connection. How do you like this kid? <laughs> she never knew there was a telephone till she uh, hitchhiked into Hollywood. <laughs> Bill, you stop that. I'm trying to talk. Oh, yes. How are you? Of course I remember you. How are your children? Oh, how are your children? The guy's probably a cocker spaniel, and she's asking him how's each children. <laughs> how's each children? How's each children? Yes, yes, we'll be home all day. Drop in any time. Oh, sure, sure. Come on over. That's why a guy marries a beautiful blonde and builds a 15-foot wall. Just to have people drop in. Drop in, bud, any time. Well, all right, Chris. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Drop dead already. What's the matter with Bill you? Bill Harris, I suppose that was your idea of a joke. Oh, well, I couldn't help it, honey. To whom do you wish to speak? <laughs> oh, honey, I ain't heard goo like that since you were trying to get in pictures. <laughs> what do you mean? You know what I mean. You know the time you rigged up that loudspeaker in front of Daryl Zanuck's house. I did no such thing. Are you kidding? You even had a singing commercial for him. I'm Alice Faye, I hit the spot, my acting's great, my singing's hot, twice as much for a contract, too. Alice Faye is the girl for you. Xanax, 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 Xanax. Well, you needn't be so funny, Phil. It so happens that was a reporter on the phone from one of the fan magazines. Oh, uh, another one of them reporters, huh? Well, no wonder you were buttering them up like that. He wants to come over later this afternoon and interview me. That's right, to interview you. I suppose that means that you want me to get lost again, huh? Of course not. Whatever gave you that idea? What do you mean? Last time you made me put on a pair of overalls and pretend I was the gardener. <laughs> well, you could hardly blame me. You always put on such an act. I'll never forget the time they came out to take pictures from photoplay. What did I do? What did you do? You insisted upon posing on a bearskin rug. <laughs> well, I looked exceptionally alluring that day. I was wearing my off-the-shoulder sweatshirt. <laughs> Mr. Harris, are you looking for something in that pantry closet? Yes, I am, sissy. One of them fag, uh, fan magazines are uh, sending a reporter over this evening. Oh, that's too bad, Mr. Harris. Your bearskin rugs at the cleaners. No, no, no. I was looking for that old scrapbook of mine. It's a big book full of uh, pictures and clippings. Oh, you mean that big book with the leather cover and the gold lettering? Yeah, yeah, that's oh, it. Oh, dear. I've been using pages out of that to line the garbage pails. Oh, sissy. Hey, here it is, and look what you've done. There are about a hundred pages missing. Oh, are there? Yeah, what a horrible thought. Oh, sissy, half of my life's strewn over the Los Angeles City dump. Oh. With orange peels yet. Well, Mr. Harris, I'm awfully sorry. Oh, it's all right. It's done now. Hey, there's still plenty of good stuff in here, though. Here's a picture I'm glad you didn't throw out. Oh? Oh, baby. Atlantic City, 1934. Oh. Oh, you beautiful dog, you. Oh, you dove. 
Ah, you pretty, 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 pretty. Mr. Harris, Mr. Harris, stop that. You're getting your picture all wet. Well, I'm sorry. I was overcome with emotion. Well, you can't fight those things, you know, sis. Hey, look, will you do me a favor? Now, uh, try to piece this scrapbook together and leave it on the table in the den. Because i got to get down to rehearsal now. Well, all right, Mr. Harris. Goodbye. Bye. All right, fellas. All right. Now, before we get going with this rehearsal, let's tune up once, will you? Let's tune up. Now, come on, guys. Everybody sounds your A, huh? Let me have it once more. That's what I like to hear. Everybody's in tune. <laughs> yes, sir. Now, uh, are we all ready to go? Some of the guys ain't here yet, Phil. Ain't here? Where are they? Practicing for New Year's Eve. <laughs> Practicing for New Year's Eve? Yeah, they're out with their cars on Vine Street, sideswiping each other. <laughs> Hey, Frankie, will you stop that now? Let's don't start that today, huh? Hey, Phil, while we're waiting, I want you to meet a friend of mine here. Phil, shake hands with the best little musician in Hollywood. Pleased to meet you, Phil. And how do you do? And read down about them. Hey, Bob, the rebob. Wait a minute. What do you know? Leopold Stadkowski. <laughs> Oh, Phil, his name's Cody Kirkpatrick. Yeah, Phil. You know, I've been going over this arrangement you got here, and it ain't right. It don't stack, Jack. <laughs> oh, it don't stack, huh? No. You know the part that goes... Yeah, what about it? Well, it don't move. It's a dud, bud. But you need something like this. That's what I need, huh? Read, Pete. It's got that solid beat in the seat, and it don't cheat. <laughs> Look, Frankie, who is this character, anyway? What do you mean, Phil? He's a great arranger. Yeah, well, he's arranging to get himself a punch right in the nose. <laughs> oh, now, wait a minute, Corny. Corny? Yeah, Mortimer. <laughs> you ain't alive for the jive. You gotta take the staves out of your barrel and roll with a hoop, group. Huh? Yeah, Elmer. You gotta get out of that Santa Fe bridge and wrestle with the trestle where the train goes by. <laughs> hey, look, termites. The name is Cootie. I don't care if it's Patrilla. I don't want no part of you. <laughs> Well, at least you gotta hear my new love song. What's the name of it? Give me fifteen minutes more. <laughs> fifteen minutes more? Yeah, Jack. I'm a slow worker. Frankie, you're gonna get out of here. But get the guy out. out of here. I don't care. Get him out of here. Okay, fellas. Now get back to your seat. We're all here. Let's go with this record. Now take it from me. One, two. Way down south of the Mason-Dixon, there's a man who's really fixin' to match those taters in his den with possum meat, and that ain't tin. 
Six tall, slim, slick, sycamore saplings, possum up the tree. Somewhere up in one of those saplings, possum's laughing at me. Hound dog braying, know what he's saying, possum on a limb. He's been hiding in one of them saplings, and I'll get even with him. Get a going, feet, gotta run, get my gun, and hurry over yonder to the holler. Moon to shine bright on the treetops tonight. Possum ain't far, sorry are thar. Six tall, slim, slick, sycamore saplings, possum on the loose. He's been stealing all of my chickens, now I'll cook his goose. Possum know he's in a jam, he'll go good with candied yam. Doggone tootin', sure as I'm shootin', possum fallin' for me. Six tall, slim, slick, sycamore saplings, possum up the tree. Somewhere up in one of those saplings, possum, possum up the tree. Somewhere up in one of those saplings, possum's laughing at me. Hound dog bayin', know what he's saying, possum on a limb. He done hit one of them saplings, and I'll get even with him. Get a going, feet, gotta run, get my gun, and hurry over yonder to the holler. Moon is shining bright on the treetop tonight. Possum ain't far, sorry are thar. Six tall, slim, slick, sycamore saplings, possum on the loose. He's been stealing all of my chickens, now I'll cook his goose. Possum know he in a jam, he'll go good with candy jam. Doggone tootin', sure as I'm shootin', possum fallin' for me. That possum done eat his fill, now Phil gonna eat his possum. Doggone tootin', sure as I'm shootin', possum fallin' for me. Ladies, if you plan to start the new year with a new hairstyle, first make certain your hair is in good condition. For whether your coiffure is simple or elaborate, it will be more attractive if your hair is for soft, gleaming, beguiling hair. Fitch has been granted the Good Housekeeping Seal and the Parents Magazine Commendation Seal. Fitch is spelled F-I-T-C-H. Hey, Frankie. Yeah, Phil. Hey, come here a minute. I got something for you. Good. You open it up. I'll go get the glasses. No. <laughs> no. It's a picture, Frankie. I got it out of my old scrapbook. Well, let's see. Hey, Phil, it's a riot. Yeah. And that ugly little goon on the left. Look at that face. Looks like the oil pan from an old Essex. <laughs> Who is he, Phil? You. <laughs> oh, Phil. Hey, you're right. And the other guy's you. Sure, this picture was taken back in 33. Oh, yeah, the time we took that little pickup band to Honolulu. Yeah, some pickup band. The third day we, we was there, they picked up four hula girls and a marmoset monkey. Yeah. <laughs> I got stuck with the monkey. 
You were lucky, kid. I seen the girls. <laughs> ah, some of them wasn't bad. And they all wore grass skirts. Yeah, I remember. And you got arrested for following them down the street with a lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> now, we caught out of that Hawaiian music pretty quick, though. Remember that big number we did at that nightclub? Yeah. Hey, what was the name of that nightclub? You know, Goldfarb's Kialakakua Hacienda. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember. It was the only place in the islands that served fish and poi with matzo balls. <laughs> yeah, oh, it seems like yesterday. We come out on a stage in our native costumes with them flower things hanging around our necks. You know, them Vivian Lays. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And then they'd throw a baby blue spotlight on us, remember? And then we'd really rock them with that Hawaiian stuff. Won't you come with me to Okanaka Nua now? Let's go see my dear old hula dancing mammy now. Frying eggs and broiling hammy. That's what I like about Hawaii. There you cannot make a very bad mistake now. Watch a girlie dance upon the beach and shake it now. Just like rubber, hubba hubba. Let's go in now without it now. Okanaka maka soka laka saka miko. Alice, why did you bring me in the den? I want to show you something, Phyllis. It must be here somewhere. But what is it you're looking for? A book that belongs to Daddy. Don't be silly, Alice. What would Hotshot be doing with a book? <laughs> well, this one is mostly pictures. Oh, that's different. <laughs> here it is. It says Phil Harris's scrapbook. Oh. Look, it has another title. Casanova Rides Again. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. I think it was Daddy's maiden name. <laughs> well, let's look inside. All right. Oh, look, here are some pictures of Daddy in school. In this one, he's in the third grade. I see a lot of little boys, but where is Daddy? Over here, standing with the girls. <laughs> oh, yes. I didn't recognize him with that hair ribbon. <laughs> Here's a picture of Daddy in the fourth grade. And here he is in the fifth grade. Uh-oh. Look at this next picture. What's the matter? He's back in the third grade again. <laughs> Alice, what are you doing in Daddy's room? I was showing Phyllis Daddy's scrapbook, Mommy. Oh, you better give that to me, honey. I don't think you children should read it. Why not? Well, it's liable to give you a warped conception of the whole human race. <laughs> anyway, you children have to take your nap now. All right, Mommy. Mommy, before we go to bed, sing us that funny song about the zipper. Zipper? Oh, I know. She means zippity-doo-dah. All right, babies.
You were home? Yeah, I got in a few minutes ago. Hey, kid. Hey, you're all dressed up for that interview guy, ain't you? Uh-huh. You like this dress? Yeah, honey. You look prettier than the back end of a buckboard wagon on going to meeting day. <laughs> you are pretty, honey. I just bought it last week. Yeah. That's one of them new pleasant dresses, ain't it? No, no. Peasant dresses. Well, honey, from over here, the whole setup looks mighty pleasant. Mighty pleasant. <laughs> Phil, what are you doing with that scrapbook? I'm just looking through it. Hey, wait till I lay some of this stuff on that reporter. Oh, Phil, I wouldn't show him that. Why not? Well, for one thing, that picture of your father in there. That's not my father. It must be. He has a jug in each hand. <laughs> that ain't no jugs. That's me and my brother. <laughs> That's my drinking brother, gal. <laughs> Why, my father was a very temperate man. For years, his slogan was, down with liquor. Down with liquor? Sure, why, he downed more liquor than any man in Tennessee. Well, I wouldn't brag about a thing like that. Well, why not? I've come a long way since them days, and I'm a changed man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Harris, I never thought you'd have a layout like this. You're married to Alice Faye. You got two swell kids, four Cadillacs, a gold rib cigarette lighter, and six pairs of yellow shoes. What are you talking about? Why, certainly, kid. I really made something out of myself. Think what I could have done if I'd have learned to read and write. Yes, you might have been another Mortimus nerd. 
guarantee I wouldn't sit on that old man's knee if I was <laughs> I'd find me a guy with some hair. <laughs> Honey, you know something? I'll never forget the day I entered that first grade. When I went to the first grade, I had to walk five miles to get to school. Five miles? Yeah, and that was a pretty long walk for a boy 14 years old. <laughs> and without no shoes, either. Oh, Phil, that's terrible. Having to go to school without shoes. Oh, it wasn't so bad. You know, every spring, Mom would give me a clean handkerchief and whitewash my feet. <laughs> oh, Phil, you're making that up. I am. Not on the 4th of July. She'd stick flags between my toes and paint them red, white, and blue. <laughs> oh, stop it, Phil. I'd like to look through this scrapbook. Okay. Oh, this scrapbook, honey. What a picture this would make. I can see it now on the marquee. Through the deep south with box back coat and sen sen. <laughs> oh, Phil, look at this picture here. It's us the day we became engaged. Yeah? How can you tell? By the ring on my finger. Oh, sure. Hey, that was some sparkler. That rock cost thirty five hundred bucks. No, Phil, it was thirty six hundred. No, I think it was thirty five. No, no, it was thirty six. I remember distinctly when I wrote out the check. <laughs> Yeah, that was the day your brother tried to commit suicide. <laughs> hey, this book really brings back memories, honey. You know, I could just sit here and look at this thing all... Hey, look at the time. We've been looking at this book for two hours. This has really been quite a revelation to me. Yeah, what a volume. Think what Kathleen Windsor could have done with this. <laughs> hey, that must be that reporter from the magazine show, that rascal in there. I'll let him How do you do? I'm Chris Clawson, the reporter who called you this morning. Oh, yes, Chris. Won't you come in? Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Clawson, this is my husband. Hiya, Doc. How do you do, Mr. Fay? <laughs> Of course, Miss Fay, I'm familiar with your wonderful work in pictures, but my magazine would like to know if you're considering another one at the present time. Well, no. You see, my children take most of my time. Oh, yes, yes. You do have two lovely children. I have six pair of yellow shoes. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Miss Fay, our readers hope that you're not forsaking the screen permanently. Once I didn't have any shoes, my mom used to have to whitewash my feet. <laughs> no, no, I'm still very interested in pictures. I read a script now and then, Chris. I don't know how to read. <laughs> Everyone hopes you'll do another musical, Miss Fay. They were so delightful. I made a short at Monogram once. Now... <laughs> Miss Fay, in one scene any... I even had a line and I had to learn it by ear. I don't know how to read, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. <laughs> Miss Fay, I'm, I'm on the Jack Benny program. Miss Fay, if you have. I know any... Dennis Day personally. <laughs> uh, Miss Fay. Him and I... me has our own programs now. Hey, uh, would you like to feel my yellow shoes? <laughs> Hey, I got six pairs of them. 
Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. At the stroke of 12 midnight Tuesday, bells and whistles will herald the beginning of a new year, 1947. Your personal, social, and business successes during the coming year depend greatly on your appearance. You won't look neat and well-groomed if you have unsightly dandruff. So may we suggest you do something about that dandruff this year and use Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Fitch is the only shampoo made whose guarantee to remove dandruff is backed by one of the world's largest insurance firms. It's thoroughly efficient, it's easy to use. Simply apply Fitch shampoo directly to the hair and scalp before adding water and massage. Then add water. Fitch dissolves all traces of dandruff that forms a creamy, rich lather. It floats away the dissolved dandruff and dirt. Thousands who use Fitch regularly like the way this all-around, all-season shampoo leaves the scalp tingling with that clean sensation, leaves the hair thoroughly cleansed, dandruff-free. Get an economical bottle at your drug or toilet goods counter or have professional applications of Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo at your beauty or barber shop. Phil, that was a fine way you acted in front of that reporter. You ruined the whole interview. Well, I don't care. That muzzler had it coming from the minute he called me Mr. Faye. That's the, I'll get it. I'll get it. And if that's that guy, Clawson, I'll tear the phone out. Hello. Hello, Phil. This is Cootie Kirkpatrick. Oh, no. Uh, look, Phil, I, I just wrote a brand new song, and it's ready, Teddy. Oh, will you stop with that? I don't want to hear about it. Oh, it goes like this. Oh, no. I don't want to hear it. Goodbye. Stop it. I hung up already. Next week, when the F.W. Fitch Company again brings you the Fitch Bandwagon with Alice Fay and Phil Harris. This program is written by Joe Connolly and Bob Mosier, directed by Paul Phillips, with the original music composed and conducted by Walter Sharp. Well, everyone, can you believe that Christmas 2023 is gone and we're coming up on when we finally say goodbye to 2023 and hello to 2024? Well, if you were listening and you're in New York City, well, maybe you go and you watch that ball drop every year in person, and maybe you're one of those thousands of people who watch it drop on TV. Well, at least now you know how it all got started. I hope all of you had a great New Year's and we'll, you'll be with me next year. Well, just next week to be exact. I really enjoyed my time with you. Hope you all enjoyed the show. And I hope you will join me next week for another show. And next week we start off our new year off right by talking about those who beat the odds. Want to know more? Well, join me for next week's show of the old radio companion. And cheers and all good things for the new year. And don't miss a show because we have some exciting shows coming up. And also, if you're a regular listener... You know, um, I don't ask for any uh, help with the show. I fund the whole thing myself. But I have this one listener who 
he nags at me all the time. He's a great friend, actually. He's a great listener. He nags at me all the time. You gotta tell people to help out. You gotta tell people. Well, some of you may not know how to do that. So basically, if you uh, Google the old radio companion or whatever search engine, you'll see the old radio companion come up. Click on it and go to the website, and you'll see a little heart, and you can click on that. There's also some info about how to give a donation, and you can give like $5 or whatever. But whatever you want to give, it always helps out. And so, like I said, I don't do the show uh, to make any money. I don't do it for money. I do it just because I love to do it. Um, I would do it if I had one, two, three listeners, but I know I have a lot of listeners out there. And so if you just feel called, you just want to help out, give a little money to help fund the show, it is much appreciated. So my listener out there is going to be very happy that I said that. (laughs) So anyway, thank you again for listening. I really do appreciate the support. And I also appreciate that the show was off for a little while and you guys just stuck with me. So when I came back, you were there. And, um, you know, I really do appreciate it. I want to keep this show going. I love doing it. And I hope you love it just as much as I do. Well, anyway, here's good. Here's for a good year. I really appreciate all of you out there. Have a great New Year's. And again, like I, I will see you next week. And as always, this is Jay Lewis off the air. Mm-hmm.